Hello. I can hear you on one side. Hello, hello. Yeah, I can only I can't hear on this side, but it's fine. I mean I can still hear. It's okay. I will survive. Okay. It comes and goes a little bit. Comes and goes. Just like everything in life comes and goes. Yeah. <laughs> it sure does. Like the bike lanes in front of my house I think are gonna go. What? I don't know. Which ones? On Reseda? Well, uh, those are the next major block over, and then there's Wilbur. Mm. So I feel like it's a little domino thing like <laughs> with John Lee. Uh. Yeah, so maybe uh, maybe we start our conversation off. Well, you know, I saw your article. Yeah. I, I, I actually misread your article because <laughs> I just quickly rifled through everything on Facebook. <laughs> And I thought that the that we were spending that Los Angeles was spending twenty seven billion dollars on. We free- are spending a significant amount of money though, okay. on widening freeways. Yeah, I can pull that up. Yeah, pull, yeah. Okay, because I've seen I've seen the work that's being done on the freeways around L A. And it's like, wow, they get into that pretty quick yes. after we voted for Measure M. <laughs> and uh, maybe we can talk about the four hundred five too, because that is also, I think, a yeah. Um, what they're trying, they're trying to change something they should have fixed a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. So we have, um, you know, this is Bike Talk on KPFK live stream. My name's Don Ward. We're interviewing Alyssa Walker, who is, why don't we, you know, let's, let's give me, give me something to, give me a little, a blurb about you. You, you do a lot of activism and writing and, and, all kinds of stuff, but let's get the official. I'm the urbanism editor at Curbed. Okay, urbanism. whatever that means. Okay, okay, <laughs> cool. But you've been doing a lot of, a lot of I'd call it activism for a long time. I mean, I remember being on a panel with you. I think that was the first time I maybe met you was maybe ten years ago. Some probably. What was that panel? That was I forget, but it was somewhere. So many panels. I think yeah. Um, uh, more memorable for me because I'm not on many panels, but, um, it was, it was something on Hollywood Boulevard that had to do with, uh, walkability and, and so forth, which we always come together on, um, in terms of our point of view of the, the world. So, so yeah, I saw your article and let me make sure we're actually, we are recording. I saw your article and, and, uh. You know, yeah, I misread it, but this is $27 billion across the country. And more. Climate, climate mayors. These are particularly focused on mayors and leaders that um, claim to be about, you know, climate change and be serious about climate change. And here they are widening freeways. And there's some kind of disconnect there that they have and also the public has, right? We, we I, I know so many left-wing progressive activists that when you start talking about transportation they're it turns into garbledygook what they're saying because they in my mind they don't they're they're not committed to giving up their cars which is part of 
climate change. That's that is the a, biggest part in the bi- particularly in large cities. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what's going on out there? Like, you know, like people are not tying together that the more you drive, the more you're contributing to climate change, right? I, I think that's the the biggest disconnect. And hopefully people are starting to understand it. I always show the chart, you know, the pie chart of where our emissions come from in the United States. And um, I show it in talks and I show it first, like completely blank, just like all carved up. And there's two really big chunks that are major chunks. And I ask, you know, which ones people think they are. And one of them is, you know, energy, electricity, power, how we're generating power, and which is sometimes coal, some, you know, all these other not uh, sustainable sources of, of fuel. And then the other chunk is transportation. And so I say that transportation is now surpassed, the, you know, the other chunk. And then I, I show them like the biggest part of that chunk. And people are like, oh, it's definitely like airplanes or oh, all that freight. And it's actually just like passenger vehicles. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the biggest single chunk. And especially, you know, like you said, in 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 big cities, we think that we're living very you know, low emission lifestyles. And what's true is that we are, you know, by living closer together in density, you you know, all that stuff. But people seem don't seem to understand that the personal choice they make or what they can advocate for, what they get their city to advocate for could really make a big, big difference. I mean, just driving a little bit less is really the what we should be aiming for. And instead, in almost every big city, people are driving more. I think like Seattle is like the only big city where it's like a little tiny bit has you know have gone down in VMT. And the the whatever what people always say, the other thing that people always say is, well, what we'll just everyone can just have electric cars. And first of all, uh, that would not solve any of the other problems when it comes to traffic suggest to traffic traffic congestion or traffic deaths or, you know, we have this particulate matter we know that is coming still from electric cars. We have people getting sucked into these auto loans, these predatory loans where they're, you know, paying seven-year car loans because everybody needs a car to get around. So electric vehicles are not really going to solve any of those problems. And that's really where you get into the infrastructure disconnect, I think, because people just assume that we'll flip a switch and every car will be electric and we can still just keep driving the way we're driving now. And that's how a lot of these highway projects get sold. You know, they're the messaging that comes from these state DOTs is like modernizing traffic relief, you know, <laughs> and, and, right, right. and they say, you know, these these lanes will be for carpools and electric vehicles. Well, we've had those for quite a while now, and they really haven't solved the problem. It's clear that we need to have a moratorium on all types of highway infrastructure, for sure. Yeah. And I guess... You know, what I'm looking for is the argument. I'm always looking for the argument to make a, that to a can. I don't even call them conservatives because I think that can that it's a bipartisan confusion uh, about transportation. It's not just conservatives who are, you know, that that love their cars. So it's, you know, like climate change is kind of confusing to people or people that don't want to understand it. Um, you know, so I don't usually argue on those terms with people. When I talk about transportation, I talk about traffic and, and pedestrian fatalities and cycling fatalities and choice and having a choice in the way that you want to get around. Um, 
you know, now we've got, I mean, we, you and I know, and the, the, basically the mobility community knows that widening freeways induces more usage of cars. And you've got these mayors that, um, you know, profess uh, to be about stopping climate change. And like you're saying, they're now saying the, the, the excuse is that we're going to go electric and that's going to solve it. Is that, I mean, let's say that, let's forget about the pedestrian fatalities. Let's forget about everything right, else. Right. Is going electric going to actually solve it? Like, you know, there, there's still, there's still issues, right? There's right. still climate change issues. Well, yeah, there's building more cars, which we probably should also stop doing, right? We should also kind of say we're going to build the last, you know, combustion engine car this day and we're going to build the last electric car even this day. You know, we mm -hmm. need to think of like, we need to think of that system as one whole separate thing. And automakers, I don't know, some of them are just building bigger and bigger SUVs that don't have any kind of fuel efficiency regulation That's whatsoever. Insane. Anyway, but... I did a story on this where I looked at just California's goals, like California's goal to go electric, right? And first of all, what's happening is more people are buying SUVs than buying electric vehicles in California, right? Uh, so yeah, like we're, okay. yes, we are slowly getting to, you know, we have the state with the highest adoption rate of electric vehicles. That's great, but more people are buying SUVs. So there was a study recently that SUVs could wipe out all the um, emissions gains that we had gotten from moving people in electric vehicles. And the other thing we have to think about is it's it's not just like flipping a switch, right? It's not just like a, a process. It's a process. You know, it's not just we have to drive less and then we have to scale up our renewable energy generation so it can meet the demand. Right now, if we flipped a switch and everybody had to start plugging in their cars, we don't have the electrical infrastructure. Mm. We don't have the charging infrastructure. You know that. I mean, you can tell. You, do you see? What do you see around? Sure. You see gas stations. You might see a few electric charging stations. So we do, would. Do we have, have the ability to produce the energy. Right. To... We would have to scale up our energy production to have everybody plug in those cars. Mm -hmm. So we can't. And as we know from the summer and the blackouts that happened, we don't have a very good energy grid. You know, right. as it stands right now. So we really have to think about. It's two things that have to happen at once. We have to drive less. We have to, you know, eliminate a lot of these trips, and then we have to scale up how much of our energy is coming from these sources. And even the most, you know, there's there's a lot of different models. You look at a lot of different charts with like lines going up and down. So the most like not it's not conservative, but like optimistic, I would say, by 2040, say we would still have to drive a lot less, like six miles a day less, right? <laughs> so it's like we have to really think about reducing our car trips. But that's actually not that hard when you look at, you know statistics city by city la is one of them half of our trips are very short they're right, like three miles, miles yeah. yeah so it's actually not that hard of a thing to do if cities would prioritize that but mayors just keep you go to the climate summits and they're like we bought 2,000 electric cars and we're like great that's great <laughs> good job but that's not the solutions we need right now right because uh you know <sighs> The people that 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 um, bemoan like climate change uh, advocacy will say, you know, there's no way that you can produce the electricity. You still have to use fossil fuels to produce the electricity. And that's true. Right. I mean, if we flipped a switch, everybody drove electric cars. 
is it possible to even take care of that energy with solar? If we were to build huge solar farms, would that take care of it? I mean, I guess you could have, we would, could make a rule where it was like, if you wanted a car, you would have to show how you're going to power it without using the grid, right? So this is maybe where Elon Musk could help or, you know, having a solar panel on top of your house that fed into a battery or your apartment building, whatever. But we, yeah, I mean, you're, especially people who don't live in houses and live in apartments, even right now, if they wanted to try to get an electric car, do the right thing, maybe buy used one that's not that expensive, sure. um, where would you where would you charge it? I mean, if your apartment doesn't have it and your work doesn't have it, there's like maybe... I mean, I see like maybe one or two around my neighborhood. I, we have a really cool car sharing system here in L.A., Blue L.A., um, which is targeted to low-income communities to help people who need cars, get them into them very affordably and let them not have to you know, take on these auto loans that are so horrible. But I don't see a lot of like public charging infrastructure for cars. So Right. And that's going to that, that'll come online. And then do we want like just parking lots of giant, you know, <laughs> car charging things the way we have no. gas stations now? No, so. we don't want that. <laughs> I, I mean, I was thinking maybe uh, probably what it'll look like is that you have a standardized kind of battery pack that you pull into a station. Right. And they you swap a battery. Yeah. And that could that could definitely be possible. I mean, all the gains we've made in batteries, you see it with like electric bikes that we have in Bike Share now. I mean, that's what Metro Bike is doing. They're walking around, driving around, biking around, and they're swapping out those batteries. And that mm. could very well be a system that we could have in the future. But I don't think it's going to be car ownership, right? We don't right. we you won't want to have that burden. You'll it'd be much easier for someone to just come give you a car when you need it, right? Well, yeah, there's a whole other side to to it, you know, other than climate change. It's like there's so many reasons that we should be fighting to have options other than cars, you know, including the 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 massive wealth drain that we've somehow convinced ourselves to be a part of, you know, I, I fell for it when I was in my late twenties, I bought a Ford Explorer for 20. Wow, Don. It wow. Was, I still <laughs> have it. I still drive it because I, I, I mean, it's an SUV and it's horrible that how much the gas mileage is on it. But I, I spent that money and I was like, you know, my, I, I like a couple years later, I, I just always was like, why did I spend so much money on a vehicle? I could be taking this money and investing it in a business or I could, you know, but now buy you're some stuck land. with it and you yeah. have to use it because yeah. you need it in certain situations. And yeah. that's what a lot of people are doing. They're holding on to these older, more efficient cars. Uh, less efficient. Less efficient. Yeah. They're holding on to these older, less efficient cars for longer, which is obviously worse for emissions and our air quality. You know, all, it, everything aside, it, our air quality is suffering too. Okay, because I've been wondering about that. It's like... Uh, you know, I have a, I have a friend, uh, Dan, who, you know, he's 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 doing well in life. He's making a lot of money and he buys, you know, he used to buy Corvettes, you know, every couple of years he'd buy a new Corvette. And he's he's a liberal guy. He's he he's very conscious of the, the environment and so forth. And he converted to he bought an electric Fiat or he got that lease deal, mm -hmm. which was super cheap. It was yeah. like 80 bucks a month. They'll do anything to get you in cars. And I was like, this is I mean, but, you know, it was so cool in my mind to see Dan flip from Corvette to the Fiat and he's driving it and he's conserving and, he, you know, there's it's zero emissions and so forth. And now he's got solar panels on his roof. He did get rid of the Fiat and you now he's got a Tesla 
which uh you know fine that's still great that at least he's not going back to fossil fuels and he's sort of coming at me with like hey why don't you get an electric car (laughs) like buy me one mr bike yeah and you know i i try to definitely not drive my car i mean now that i live in the valley i drive my car a whole lot more than i was but um I had that thing non-operational for a couple of years because when I was living in, you know, Los Feliz and working four blocks away, I didn't drive it for months yeah. and the thing wouldn't start after a while. So yeah. I just like, uh, I'm just going to put it in storage. And, and I think that's, that's where we want to get to is people buying their last car now or just having the car they have now and this be the last one. I mean, you still see like auto sales like slightly went down last year for the first time. And there's there's all sorts of reasons maybe why why or why not. But like used auto sales are going up, right? Like people are buying just like these older cars. And for us, same too, in my family, you know, I have two young kids and like my parents gave us their old uh, like Volkswagen, not Dieselgate Volkswagen. But um, <laughs> and we're just like, you know, run it into the ground. And our goal is when the kids are are ready to get around more on their own. And we obviously take the bike and bus and everything as much as we can. We live pretty close to transit. We're really excited that you know, they're, it's doable as in a, as a family, but I don't want to buy another car. I'm not right, getting another right. car. I and I, I want the car share to have kid seats and be electric and pick me up and have a, like a responsible, maybe ride hailing option or something. You know, I want all that stuff to, to happen. So I don't have to buy another car. Right. That's money down the drain. Yeah. You know, that's your kid's college education. Right. It's, it's, it's insane to me. That, that that's a whole other thing about it. I mean, and I focus a lot more on that kind of argument than I do on the climate change thing because I think there's just no no way to pick apart uh, somebody that just doesn't. But believe again, it. it's that blindness. Like we don't, we have this like car. You you don't see the car. You don't see how much it costs. You don't calculate those costs when you right. leave your house, right? So I should ultimately get, like the best thing I could do is just get rid of this car. But even making that piece of equipment last is not good, right? That's I don't know. I t- I, people ask me all the time their advice. And I think even people who, you know, it's like, what's your goal? Like you said, you don't drive it that much. That's fine. I mean, if you gave it to, if you sold it to someone else who drove it all the time and spent tons of money mm. keeping it on the road, maybe that would be worse. Right. Or um, throwing it away. Is yeah. That- I Well, you could, I guess you could donate it to a nonprofit that could get money out of it somehow and that like would harvest go the yeah I, don't, I mean I, I don't know like the end of life uh you know i'm curious about that process I mean, for the car that yeah. what makes the the best sense i mean we what do we used to like just throw a bunch of them in the ocean or something like that right so <sighs> oh, yeah. um but yeah i mean i think they're the bigger issues are just looking at our climate goals and when people say things like oh you know, this many cars will be electric by this year or whatever. Like the cars we buy today will still be driven when we're, you know, in like 30 years. You know, people hold on to cars for a really long time. So the the time that it some takes for the... Do. Yeah, I mean, some people... The, yeah. But taking the, the, the time it takes for the fleet to turn over is very long because cars it, are being made better. You know, cars are being made to last longer now. So... Are they? I always feel like it's the opposite. I feel like... <laughs> Well, like, it probably feels that way as yeah, who, like, like who drives them. But do people really hang on to their? I mean, most people, 
it seems like they buy a car and then like five years later they get antsy and they feel like it's not. But the car itself like stays in operation is what gotcha. I'm saying, right? Gotcha. So they sell it yeah. to someone else. Like you might want a new car, but then that car goes to someone else and, and it stays on the road. And these, especially if you don't have a lot of money, you're going to pick the oldest car and oldest and more, most efficient car. And places like London, you know, they have these congestion pricing zones where you can't drive like older cars into really? parts of the city because they're just so bad. And they have diesel, you know, issues there. Sure, they have a lot more sure. diesel vehicles, but they're, you know, they basically, there's like a year, it's like somewhere in time in the nineties where they're like, you can't meet these emission standards if you have a car that's older than that. And there's a lot of anger from people who, you know, I, mean, I don't know, they, they probably, it's not people who like have classic cars and want to drive around. It's more like people who, you know, rely on certain vehicles yeah. and people who use trucks maybe that are very inefficient. But you look at what London has achieved when it comes to congestion pricing. They now have an ultra low emission zone in the middle, middle of the city. Wow. So I didn't this know that. is like huh. car free streets. And this is air, boosted in air quality. That's like so has game is game changing. Has completely transformed the city. They have spent like a billion dollars on bike superhighways because all that money gets invested right back into transit. They have a better bus system. So, what do we want in the end? And how can we make sure that people who rely on vehicles could maybe you know upgrade to an electric vehicle if they need to? Mm-hmm. subsidize it, pay for it with congestion pricing. But this is the whole issue of like, you know, people worried about tolls or other things where, you know, it feels like it's like punishing people who have to drive. There's ways to fix that and also let the people who do have the choice make a sound decision just based on saying, you can't drive here at this time of day. Or if you want to, you have to pay a lot of money. Right. And it it has worked in other cities. And the fact that we we and other cities, I guess New York will test it and it will it will be a good thing. But everyone will always say, well, that's just New York. It'll never work here. But we need to really think seriously about that here in L.A. Just like what what are our goals at it for our city? Is it really just so everyone can drive everywhere and park everywhere all the time? Now, now how's how's Mayor Garcetti doing? Like, OK, okay so who's who's really in control of our roads? We, we talked a little <laughs> bit about the 405. Are they doing more? So the 405, they just proposed, It's which this is just laughable. So, you know, years after they finished this $1.6 billion widening right. plan, Carmageddon, which we all remember so fondly, um, they now just decided to add a toll road to like one lane, right? So just okay. one, like one lane would be tolled the same way that um, the 110 is where the Silver Line runs next to it. Um, I think the 10 also uh, east of downtown, same thing. You just pay your toll and you use that little transponder in your car and it charges you, um, which is great. It works really well. They, you have great express lanes, um, especially at peak hours. So finally, the 405, the 405 should have never added a lane to begin with, of course, but then mm. it also should have put that in place right away. It's crazy sure. that we widened it and didn't try to have any kind of management system that might have, I guess there's a carpool lane, but who who cares? Like I, don't I, know. I, think, <laughs> they're, I think they're being politically astute by by slowly sort of creeping that stuff in because people get really up and <laughs> Oh, and of about course, everybody's lines. furious and how will I get anywhere? Okay, well, if you're you saw the, you know, images of that are always come right before Thanksgiving of like the lights in both directions sure. like trying to get out of town. Like, yeah. It's obviously not working as it is. So, uh, I don't know how this is going to make it any better. There's that carpool lane or, or 
tolling will just be clogged immediately. Um, no, no, what are they there? Okay, so they're going to replace the carpool lane on the, the four or five with over a toll Sepulveda. lane. Yeah, it's going to have a toll lane. Is yeah. this is happening, or they're just they're studying, studying it? it for three it was a big study, years, and then it probably won't be done for seven years. It's oh, just really? like we'll be dead by then. They're going to spend um, twenty-seven million to study it. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's to me that sounds like they're just going to build up staff and infrastructure. Well, they'll hire a firm, and the firm will test like you know the traffic impacts and like environmental impacts or whatever. I mean, I I I just can't believe that we're here in this moment, <laughs> you know, and and it's like really we have to study that this is we should just be tearing the 405 down like tear one whole side down and like put the trains there and of course they are they are proposing like a subway or a monorail to get past it but we could just be running like i don't know express buses from you know like right westwood now. To, to yeah van nuys or something we could be doing that right you can make now. a bus lane on the 405 yeah and right now that bus has to go you know, on Sepulveda in traffic, and there's gonna yeah. be a local bus too. But like, there's no reason why we can't just rethink our infrastructure now, and we're not doing that. Why? Yeah, why don't we? Well, I know why we don't, but <laughs> there should be bus lanes on every freeway, right? I, I mean, well, the the one argument there is, that, and you do see them like on the 101. There are places where they had like bus port- yeah. boarding platforms, like yeah. they're not there in use anymore. Waiting for the bus on a freeway is horrible, horrible. but. You know, if you board them off the freeway area right. and just do express type lanes, of course. And but the like bigger regional, thing, regional, yeah, type regional stuff. type stuff. And there are some great, you know, LA DOT commuter express services. Of course, they don't have dedicated lanes, but they should. That's a great. That's that's a perfect example. But and you know, that's the the bigger challenge and the bigger bigger solution would be dedicated bus lanes for every single rapid bus in in metro so all the red uh buses that are supposed to be operating at fairly high frequency are still getting stuck in traffic i was waiting for one today (laughs) and i was just i couldn't believe that i was waiting 15 minutes for a rapid bus that you know was still getting stuck in traffic it was just i mean it was just mind-blowing that we've invested so much and haven't done this and transit center actually did street films and transit center you probably know uh, make great films about um you know what's mostly what's wrong with um with uh with transit and they made this great video about the flower street bus lane and where it's just it's just at peak hours and it was originally designed just to help with the um congestion that was happening because the the blue line was under construction the subway system there um it goes it goes under the ground at that point and they just dedicated one lane for buses to get just get out of downtown, get wherever they need to go, just get past that little zone. And they were moving 70 buses an hour, you know, during this time where they had these shuttles. So think of that. And you stand there and it's literally just buses just, you know, literally every second just flying by you. And it just felt like we could have this everywhere. It's not that hard. And and, and it's kind of interesting that the bus lanes only exist during peak hour. Right. Which still, yeah. But... You know, during non-peak hour, you can have a bus lane and it wouldn't, you know, cause more traffic no, because there isn't anything. much usage yeah. of the road. Why don't they just make it a permit 20, exactly. permanent 24-hour? Because hour. I think they let people park there maybe some of the time. I don't know, because oh, they're right. always like okay. towing cars in some of these places. But yeah, I mean, mm. that's a whole other thing, a discussion of parking. But the, the you know, federal agencies have been looking at red bus lanes as this new type of infrastructure tool, right? So a lot of city I've been trying to count how many cities have them and dozens of cities have at least Seen one. In San Francisco. Yeah, I mean you see them everywhere you go except for LA. Um Indianapolis has them. Albuquerque has them. I feel like uh, I feel like Los Angeles <laughs> is sort of the the front in the war on 
cars, you know, that I, I feel like, like that he, resistance hasn't gotten here yet. Or, 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 or <laughs> no, that this is the battleground. Like, right. I feel like there's characters in our political, you know, arena. And I'm like, where did this guy come from? Like guys like, you know, Jay Bieber and yeah, I'm trying to think of the other people, but it's just like, where do these characters come from? And they're fighting for what we have, which is shit. Right. Like, like, gee, thanks yeah, for fighting is not to keep great. us yeah. in this shitty, you know, right. condition. Keep LA the same. Keep LA cra- traffic <laughs> garbage. You know, yeah. thanks. And uh, you know, like the you know that recent election with uh, in Council District Twelve. I don't know if you followed that. Mm-hmm. Um, Lorraine Lundquist versus John Lee. Uh, the Jay Bieber, I hate to keep bringing up his name because I don't like that guy at all. I hope you're listening to me. I don't like you. I've already told him to his face that I don't like him. But it's like he had he ran and he got 4,000 votes in that district. He's not from that district. And maybe his parents are. I don't know. But uh, he got 4,000 votes and John Lee got, you know, 6,500 votes. And Lorraine Lundquist got you know, 6,000 votes or something like that. It was very close. It was like, how did he build up all this political momentum? And he used the bus rapid transit as a wedge issue. Yeah. And he got everybody riled up. And now it's sort of like, okay, what's the next move? They're going to do another election in March. And, uh, you know, I'm going to support Lorraine again. And John Lee just, uh, I guess, introduced a motion or he's going to introduce a motion to question the Reseda bike lanes the great streets project that project they didn't even take out lanes yeah. they just moved right. the parked cars That's the ideal yeah and what they say it was like a confusing configuration is the argument it's like oh it's too confusing yeah they're like oh it puts <laughs> it puts people right in in traffic when they get out of their cars what do you think bike riders <laughs> or are, what do you just yeah. any car you actually are just right in traffic and normally that's normally how it is you go south over by sherman way right. and you are stepping you out. are still doing yeah. the same thing so yeah. just you know like always be careful when you get out of your car that's so there i'm i'm questioning his move because it's like is he trying to create another wedge issue? Is right. He tr- like right what are, what's the thing here yeah yeah what's that's the strategy be a crazy one yeah that's gonna be a so Lorraine's having a, I mean, this isn't live, so it doesn't matter, but she's having a fundraiser or a party tonight, a campaign kickoff, I mm-hmm. guess, in downtown. Are you going to go? Um, I am not going to go, but I definitely support what she's running for. I think that's really, she's she ran a great race and I hope she can win this time. She technically won the first time. She run, won in the, she had more votes the first, in the oh, first, in the, first. In the primary, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like yeah, but there was like three other. We'll benefit from a March yeah. election uh, happening with more people coming to vote who might be. Yeah, they're going to be voting in the, in the in the Democratic <laughs> primary. Yeah. So that'll be good. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Because you know, once these guys are in, they're they're in for years. It seems like. <laughs> With the city council. <laughs> um, okay. And, you know, any other, you know, let's talk a little bit about Garcetti and maybe we can uh, close it off and give us a little, uh, a little Alyssa Walker bus, bus and busing with your kids. Cause that's, that's a lot of, a lot of people say, you know, I can't do it because I have kids and they got to go to school. And I'm like, well, I happen to know people. Alyssa Walker being one of them, 
<laughs> who doesn't, you know, drive. I mean, you don't drive your kids to school, well, right? Well, now you... they go to school within three blocks of our house. So okay. that's a walking uh, trip. And, but they both go to school right by our house, which is just amazing. But we used to take, um, my daughter went to a daycare where we would take two buses to get there in the morning. And um, then she went to a preschool where we would take a bus three stops to get to preschool. So for for when she learned to walk, I was walking her to the bus stop and taking the bus every day, mm-hmm. um, taking her to daycare and picking her up. Um, both the easiest trips I mean, sometimes you'd have to wait a little bit, but not really that long. Mm-hmm. And um, so, such a game changer in just how I got to spend time with my daughter instead of putting her in a car and like sitting in traffic and annoying, you know, right, the, right. being having this annoying uh, journey every morning where I was like stressed out. The only thing I would get mad about is all the people who are dropping their own kids off and like speeding and like getting in our way with, you know, it's all, it's always that it's always in the morning. Parents trying to get their kids to daycare before they get to work is like the biggest stress that we, we have as, you know, as parents, but this, it was just like a very easy thing. And I, I, I understand that it's not possible for people who where the transit doesn't go, or if they, you know, have to be to work at a certain time, I totally get it. But once a week, you could probably try it with your kids. That's why I tell them, like, your kids will actually like it more. Yeah, have a little adventure. They they know where all the buses go now. You know, I take two kids on the bus with me all the time. Last night, we all rode the bus together. It's so much easier, like, and they really enjoy it. And they also learn how to, you know, walk a couple blocks at the beginning end of the trip. They get used to that. And I totally understand if it doesn't work for you, but maybe just try it once a week as a as a family, and it's it becomes an adventure, and the right. kids really do love it. And with real time arrival apps, which are mostly right, um, you can know not to leave the house. You know, and you know you you can wait a little bit until you leave the house, so you're not waiting too long at the bus stop. Because the biggest complaint oh, I have is yeah. the bus stops are horrible. There's not enough benches, and they're very close to the street, and the cars are going very fast, very close to the street. So sometimes my kids have, like, bounced off the bench and, like, you know, are, you know, feet away from, like, a speeding car that's going 40 miles an hour. So that would be my my biggest complaint. And that's something that the city could fix if they wanted to instantaneously. I feel like that could be a huge win. Just unbolt the bus benches yeah, put just them like, 10 feet back. Just, or move them back and just make them better or decide that you're going to at least put one at every single stop. I mean, that would be, it would be, it would transform the city. It would make the city, and instead we're doing, we're what, the city council is now, you know, asking for a new proposal in two <sighs> years for different a different contract, and we could solve this problem Different contract easily. for the bus benches? For the bus, for shelters and street furniture, yeah. So with, we're going to... They, they contract with, like, uh, Viacom or something I like that? I think right now it's J.C. Deco. I don't know. I mean, it is without for J.C. Deco right now, and I don't know if they would be allowed to bid again or whatever, but there's definitely a lot of great solutions that the city has already done itself, so I don't know why... It has to be this ad contract. I mean, I I understand they want to sell advertising, but we could build those things ourselves, yeah, and it, we it, could sell advertising on them. I mean, we could we build things in this city, like we make and fabricate yeah. stuff that people sit on, yeah. and also like you know can plant trees next to them. And yeah. instead, we're having like these conversations about putting umbrellas at these benches and painting streets white. And it's very easy, the solution that we could make, and we would be very good at it. We are good at, I mean, the city is good at building infrastructure. It does, 
cost a lot, but it lasts a long time. Yeah, what they build, there's stuff in here. Us. Yeah, yeah, an investment. Can they take the Measure M and Measure R money and? I think they should be able to. Is I it don't. Possible? I mean, there's I think some kind of rule. Well, there's a lot of. So the funny thing about that, and and talking about things like the gas tax, right? So all that we have SB one money, we have Measure M money, and we have so much money. We have more money than we've ever had. Most of that goes to our rail projects, which get all the attention and all the you know all the fanfare. But then we're still doing things like widening highways with it. We're still mm. adding like you know a lot of car infrastructure. We're still doing a lot for drivers. So no one should think that like they're getting shorted in any way in this process. But then we have all these funds that are supposed to go to walking, biking, you know, making making bus stops, you know, more accessible and more enjoyable would definitely yeah. fall under that. And I don't know why it wouldn't just normally fall under like bus operations too. I mean, that should be part of the next gen, you know, bus study that Metro is releasing where they're going to do all these things to change the bus system. I mean, that's comes up time and time again, especially when it comes to like safety and waiting and all the, you know, all those issues. Fast frequent services, of course, the most important thing, but if we want to make our city into a place that looks like it should take transit, you know, yeah. you can't just have a sign for Metro that's like knocked over sign, and yeah. then just like no shade and no place to sit in. No, I mean, like landmarks. We need people to see, oh, there's a bus stop there. I guess right. I will go there. Yeah. It, that I mean, the bus stops look dinky and <laughs> they are, it, it's funny. I never thought about the fact that they are right up against so the street. Close. Well, they probably were there and then they like widened the street more and took out the street parking to make the street, <laughs> make the cars You're go so faster, right. right? So we could You're solve so that. You're so right. <laughs> oh my God. We've done so much damage. I don't know. Are you are you from LA? Or? I'm not. I've been here for almost 20 years. Okay. I grew up in St. Louis. I mean, I grew up in LA and it's just like they've been talking about all these things forever, improving the bus service and all this stuff. And I don't know. The latest thing that I've kind of, you know, noticed is that there's a lot of focus on speed of the bus. And I'm thinking like, I like care more about that. The bus is going to come frequently. Like when I'm sitting on that bus bench next to the street, I'm starting to question my life. Like, you know, like it's depressing. It's like, (laughs) you're like, when is the bus going to come 20 minutes, half an hour sometimes? I've waited. I, I just remember when I lived off of Hollywood Boulevard, I'd be like, I'm going to take the bus to the bar versus riding my bike to the bar to Harvard and Stone or something. So I can, I made a concerted effort to take the bus and it was like 1030. It wasn't that unreasonable. I waited for a half an hour and I finally got an Uber because I was like, I could be at the bar right now having drinks instead of waiting at the bus. And it was miserable. Couldn't, I don't know why they're, you know, and I don't care that it gets there faster by five minutes. I'd rather it just pick me up and I'm on my way and I feel like things are happening. Yeah. And bus lanes could do that. I mean, it it makes, it makes reliability built in, you know, it it speeds up the buses past the cars, but it also, when it says two minutes, it means two minutes. Right. They're not stuck in traffic. Yeah. So you actually do get better frequency just from the bus lanes lane. so that it's an easy easy fix yeah interesting just some red paint all we need ah, uh, <laughs> well, then the film industry will come in and say no <laughs> no this is our backlot la is our backlot <laughs> shut up okay maybe i don't know so um thank you Alyssa, for coming in um it's, it's always great to see your articles i share them 
on you know facebook where i you know live a desolate angry cynical life (laughs) don't we all yeah so no we really appreciate it and uh, is there anything you want to like promote like um we've got a twitter account for you right yeah i met a walker in la um you can find me uh also at curbed and i sometimes write stories for curbed la uh, and follow all them and, and support their great work. I also am a co-host of a podcast called LA Podcast. So we talk about these issues. We talk about buses a lot and bikes a lot too. Okay, so. <laughs> cool. And we can find that on like iTunes or yeah, something. Yeah, like anywhere. It's it's probably ungoogleable, but if you look LA Podcast like on like Spotify or iTunes or whatever, you should be able to find it. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Okay, well, you know, we'll have you back on. Hopefully, we'll that would be great. When we've more. solved all these problems, we can talk about oh, all the successes. So we'll never have you back on. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank you, Alyssa. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 